Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's time for Chicago Business Radio. Brought to you by FirmSpace, your private sanctuary for productivity and growth. To learn more, go to firmspace.com. Now, here's your host. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Chicago Business Radio. I'm your host, Max Cantor. And before we get started today, today's show is sponsored by FirmSpace. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. And we have a great guest today. Today's guest is Mike Abdel Syed. He is the owner and artistic director of One Group Mind, the Titanic Players, and the Comedy Clubhouse, which is the highest rated comedy club in Chicago. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hi, Max. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for being on today. Excited to talk about everything that you're doing in the Chicago community. Uh, so let's jump right in. Uh, tell me a little bit about One Group Mind. What is that? Uh, One Group Mind is the first ever developing comedians union. So uh, we're basically trying to rally uh, comedians and organize ourselves so that we can get sort of basic protections and compensation. Uh, and so we have about 150 members. Uh, they each pay monthly dues. And in exchange for that, we give them training, uh, performances, and opportunity to get compensation, uh, career building resources. We'll bring in SAG. We're basically trying to eliminate the the middlemen in our industry that might be taking uh, the compensation before it trickles down to the rest of us. Uh, and so, yeah, um, we had uh, probably eight or nine different spaces in the past. And uh, in 2015, uh, we made the move to purchase our own space. Uh, and that, that sort of eliminated one of the biggest middlemen being the landlord. Uh, and so we've been able to take a lot of a lot of steps since then, you know, in that space is the comedy clubhouse uh, that uh, you mentioned earlier is highly rated uh, and basically our, our current, you know, venue. And we hope to expand somewhere down the line. So you started with one group mind first and then came the comedy clubhouse in that order. Uh, actually, what started first. First was the Titanic Players. Uh, they're a collegiate organization. Um, we st I started that back in 1994, uh, and uh, they uh, have an incredible track record of, of success. Uh, if you're familiar with uh, Sarah Sherman or Sarah Squirm, uh, who's the recent featured player on SNL, uh, she's from that organization. Uh, the Titanic players existed from 94 until 2001, 2002 uh, was the first time one group mind sort of made its appearance. Uh, and uh, then the Titanic players expanded to um, four teams on the Northwestern University campus and eventually expanded to eight other campuses uh, from University of Minnesota to Madison, Milwaukee, U of I. We had DePaul, Columbia, all the way down to Stetson, Florida. It, and so, yeah, and it kind of, one group mind kind of grew from the, the graduates of the collegiate program that sort of saw, you know, a need in the professional industry to have a specific type of theory being taught. And so we were less at that time based off of a union uh, that was, you know, more or less looking for rights and compensation. At the time, we were, we were more or less just looking for uh, an organization that sort of taught one consistent improv theory. It's interesting for me to hear you describe your story um, and, and all the organizations you're a part of, because 
a lot of it is you creating kind of what you wanted, you know, you creating the Titanic players or you helping create the comedy clubhouse, one group mind. So why is it important for someone in comedy or in improv uh, to have that entrepreneurial spirit? Um, well, I mean, anyone that's in acting, anyone that's, that's going to be, you know, a performer, uh, they're generally, you know, their own business. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're marketing themselves as a product and they're trying to brand themselves. Um, that being said, I think my motivations to start these things, um, were a lot more predicated on uh, a lack of opportunity, uh, for, you know, put blank, uh, people with my skin color, uh, to in the industry. And so, uh, um, just having to create my own opportunity is, is, you know, par for the course. And, now, you've been in co- the comedy world for a really long time. Uh, what were some key lessons that you've learned that helped you create, over time, the Titanic Players, One Group Mind, and the Comedy Clubhouse? I mean, the lessons, is big one is take ownership for yourself. I think uh, too many people walk into the comedy industry looking for validation, uh, looking for someone who um, might have a lot of experience or a lot of time or they look up to and they're looking for that person to come back and say, hey, you're good uh, and, and you can keep doing this. Um, and to all those people, uh, you know, at the end of the day, no one can really tell you that you're good until you tell yourself that you're good. Uh, and so, uh, you know, those folks that are looking for that validation, they might not get it. Uh, and, and, you know, you have to validate yourself more than anything. Um, and I tell my students at Northwestern all the time that, you know, that, that truism of, of, you know, opportunity meeting preparation, uh, too often um, people lament that they don't have the opportunities. And the reality is, is the opportunity is there, even if it isn't when it presents itself, or are you ready to go? Or, you know, are you not? Um, you know, just kind of looping back a few things here. Um, you know, I, at the time, I performed on a team called Valhalla for six years. We became a legendary team on on the team with several Second City main stage directors and performers. Um, and uh, you know, um, there was a show that ran at Second City. Uh, that ran for uh, right after 9-11 that ran for two years sold out, which is unheard of for a Second City review. And um, it starred Keegan-Michael Key, if you've ever seen Key and Peele. Uh, they pulled him from Detroit to do this incredibly complicated, diverse role. Um, and, you know, I found out from one of my performing friends that, hey, you know, you should go see this show. Keegan doesn't have uh, an understudy. And so I went and saw the show. I absolutely loved it. And I tried to see it as often as I could, but I just couldn't afford it. So I would stand outside in the lobby and just listen through the doors. And eventually I got to know the box office staff. And one day, you know, one of them said, hey, why don't you sit in Keegan-Michael Key's understudy chair? Uh, Nobody sits there. And so I sat there and, you know, eventually uh, learned a lot about the show. And Keegan, you you know, eventually connected with me and he gave me a VHS tape uh, and said, don't tell anybody I gave you this. And I took it home and I memorized it and I look at all the, the blocking. Uh, one night I even snuck in the back to write it down. And, you know, at the time I, I was never in Second City. I could never afford to do Second City classes or things like that. And, you know, one day an accident 
you know, uh, had Keegan's wife in Detroit and he had to fly out there and they were about to cancel four sold out shows. And the cast said, well, you know, what about his understudy? And Second City said he doesn't have an understudy. And they said, well, who's been sitting in his chair? <laughs> and so they uh, they called me at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. And I saw that that caller ID, you know, and knew exactly what was going on. And, and once she called, you know, picked up the phone, she said, this is Beth. You know, I know this sounds a little bit weird. And I right away said, hey, you know, is Keegan OK? I, I didn't know if something had happened to him. And she said, he's fine. But, you know, someone said that you've been watching the show and i go yeah i'm ready to go uh and i went in there you know four shows they two shows on a friday they hired me saturday morning and two shows on a saturday and so i kind of ask people you know are you ready for that call you know when you get it i always tell my students hey if you got that call were you ready do you have that portfolio can you just grab it and hop in a in a car and hop in a plane and see who you need to see so Sorry to ramble on like that, but there you go. <laughs> well, so what are you doing? Because uh, I love, you know, I I love what you were saying, and I think the story is so important because, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, you can't just sit around twiddling your thumbs hoping that one day Second City is going to go, you know who we should call? Mike. Because, if, <laughs> you know, if you weren't actively going there and studying and, and being interested, like – that's just not how it works. So what do you do for the students that walk in the door of the comedy clubhouse? What do you do to help them build their portfolio? I mean, we have an extensive training program, and it's probably, in my opinion, the best and longest and most thorough in the country. It was developed because of our collegiate system where we would have these teams together for four years before they graduated. And then we were able to, you know, take a look at a laboratory experiment across eight universities at the same time and, you know, tweak it and see what was working and what wasn't. Uh, so, you know, what I tell people and I tell students is that, you know, that last step before success or fame is your good, you know? And so, uh, you know, what's what's worse to to never get the call to write for SNL or to get the call and they send you back three months later? I argue the second one is worse because you just told all your friends that you're an <laughs> SNL writer, you know, and you weren't ready. You weren't prepared. Uh, so we teach long form improv as the basis of just getting good and getting better and getting comfortable with your voice, you know, and then. We teach it as a, as a common language of creation so that when we collaborate on something like script or on video, we can use common terms, you know, to describe something to be funnier, you know, more or less funny than something else. So, Mike, uh, my, my question I ask every uh, guest is how I close out every interview. What is the most rewarding part about what you do? <laughs> uh, that's a tough one um so uh i, I i'm in a unique position uh I, I live above the comedy club uh and so so uh, i'm able to be here all the time and just you know getting to know certain you know people and comedians and the people that you're working with um you know you hope that you can affect change but sometimes change has to go through a few generations of people uh before something actually happens so it's it's you know the people um you know they're, they're my family so yeah 
And Mike, if there are any improvisers or aspiring comedians that are listening to this, how do they get involved at the Comedy Clubhouse? And also, if someone just wants to come watch some of your shows, how can they do that as well? Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we. Uh, if you ever want to see a show, you can go to thecomedyclubhouse.com and purchase tickets there. Uh, and in fact, if you are an aspiring improviser or a stand-up comedian, uh, you can uh, let them know at the box office and you can get in for free, provided that there's there's seats uh and yeah i recommend the main stage mic and the main stage improv ensemble uh the main stage improv ensemble features a team called tricky mickey that's a two-person team that uh uses some of the most complex techniques in the industry to produce as much as a team of eight or ten would do uh and then if you ever want to learn how to do this you know most people when they join us they don't have prior experience uh if people think that you know you need a performing background that's not the case either um, you know so uh, every three or six months we'll do an audition um, and once you audition you join one group mind uh, it's not like you have to re-audition but you start as an apprentice and then you escalate to an ensemble member then a house member then an artist and me- member and at each stage you sort of get more perks and more opportunities Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, it was great talking to you and all that you're doing for the Chicago comedy community. Uh, thank you so much, Max. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening to another episode of Chicago Business Radio. I'm your host, Max Cantor, and we'll see you next time. This episode of Chicago Business Radio has been brought to you by FirmSpace, your private sanctuary for productivity and growth. To learn more, go to firmspace.com.